8, and um, amen. So we are looking for a connection on the screen, but I still have the notes here. So uh, Matthew chapter 8, and um, I'll just begin reading it to you. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now, I don't know if, if maybe you have somebody in your life, a friend, an acquaintance, maybe somebody you went to school with that, that basically has, you know, traveled the world. They've had all kinds of rich life experiences. And, and, and so somebody like that, sometimes it's hard to impress. You, you know what I'm talking about? Have you, do you have anybody in your life that's hard to impress? You know, they've kind of been there, done that, bought the T-shirt many, many times. And, and, and so, you know, for you to try to tell them some story about, you know, something you did in your backyard over the 4th of July when they were in the Caribbean or something like that, you know. And, um, and, and so, you know, think about what it would take to impress Jesus. I mean, we talk about somebody who's seen it all, literally has seen it all. He hasn't just seen it all. He created it all. I mean, you know, so to impress him, right, uh, is, 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 is impressive in itself, right, to, to, to be able to do something that would, would impress Jesus. And yet that is exactly what this centurion did. He displayed a level of faith that caused Jesus to marvel. Amen. And, of course, we see uh, that in verse 13, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now, we're in the middle, I know some of you just joined us uh, tonight, but we're in the middle of a sermon series entitled, Faith Will Flourish in an Understanding Heart. Faith Will Flourish in an understanding heart. Romans 12 and 3 tells us that God's given to every person the measure of faith. So every human being on planet earth has deposited within themselves the substance of faith. It's, it, it, it exists in your spirit. It, it's something God gave you. It's something that the devil cannot take from you. Um, and yet we see for many, many people on planet earth, the measure of faith that God has given to them lies dormant in their lives. It, it, it's basically... Um, the, the, the difference-making player, the most valuable player, um, but has been basically put on the bench. Amen. Um, you know, think about uh, a star player in football or basketball or baseball or what have you, that for whatever reason, instead of being in the game, they're on the bench. Amen. And that's the way it is with a lot of people when it comes to faith operating in their lives. It, the faith that will give you victory over anything and everything in this world, right? It must be awakened. It must be activated. It, it, it must be released. And we must learn how to, to use it and operate uh, in this thing called faith. And, and sadly, um, a lot of people are clueless when it comes um, to the measure of faith um, that they have been given. Now, what we're also learning is that um, faith will flourish in a heart that understands, but will be um, uh, literally squelched, you know, hampered, hindered, maybe even extinguished, if you will, um, the flame of faith in a heart that does not understand. And I hope tonight, because I know there's some folks in here that have served Jesus for 50 more years and other folks that are kind of new at this whole thing, walking with God, 
But I hope that you have at least had enough experience with God and His Word to connect in a meaningful way uh, with, with what I'm saying. Because as you understand more and more, we sang about it tonight. Like, for instance, one of the most important things you can ever come to a realization of, an understanding of, is the love that God has for you. The more you understand the love of God, the Bible says, the more your life will be filled with the fullness of God. The more you understand the full dimension of God's love for you, the more that will set your heart free to be filled with all the good things that Father God has for you. So think about, and and don't overanalyze that, okay? Um, How many times do we question ourselves? Do we question God? Do we second-guess ourselves? Do we second-guess God? Because we're not sure that He really cares anything about us. But the more you understand the deep, unconditional, unending love that He has for you, and the desire that He has for you, and the willingness and the ability that He has directed towards you, the power that He's made available to you, the more you understand these things, the more you understand the love, amen, the more your faith, you know, it, it, it sets your faith free. One of the ways that we've explained this in the past is that what the Bible teaches about Jesus making us right with God and giving us as a gift right standing with God. Well, the more you understand that, right, um, you know, the more you believe it, the more your faith operates in that, the, the, the more um, uh, good things that produces in your life. But if you're still living under this religious mindset that says God only loves you if you're being good today, God only accepts you if you've you know, somehow done more good than you've done bad in your life, See, again, and that's the understanding a lot of people have. Notice that, again, does not uh, you know, allow the faith that we have uh, been given by God. It does, it, it, rather than allowing it to, to, to flourish and produce, it, it, it hinders it and, and prevents it from operating in our lives. Now, I could talk on and on about that. I want to try to get to some important things tonight um, that I feel like the Lord's laid on my heart to talk to you about. Um, but as we use this centurion um, as, uh, as a case study, we see that he understood some things because of his background, because of his military experience, because of um, the, the, the way he uh, understood and thought and functioned as a centurion, a high-ranking official in the Roman army. All of, all of these things and, and, and the way he understood these things it played right into um, his ability to operate and function in faith, all right? So um, let's do this. Um, number 10 in the list, amen, and you say, what happened to 1 through 9? They're all recorded, amen. I mean, I, I, again, I, I, if I take the time to review all those, for those of you who are new to the study, we're not going to have time to go any further. But, but number 10, we said the centurion understood healing was easy for Jesus, Okay? He understood that healing was easy for Jesus. He, 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 he didn't think he was putting Jesus out. In other words, he said, look, Jesus, all you have to do is speak the word only. You don't have to come to my house. You don't have to lay your hands on, on, on my servant. You, you, you don't have to be there physically present. Um, healing is something you enjoy doing. It's something you're good at doing. It's something that's easy for you. It comes easy for you. And so all you have to do is speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Now, I want you to think about some of the things maybe that you've heard other people say or maybe you've even said some of them yourself. 
You know, sometimes we feel a need to apologize for asking. Um, sometimes we feel like we've got to try and bribe Jesus. Am I the only one that's ever tried to bribe Jesus by making all kinds of wild commitments and promises? If you just do this for me, I'll never ask you for another thing. If you'll, if you'll just do this for me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. You know, all these other... There was none of that. None of that came um, because the centurion recognized that none of that was necessary. It, 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 it wasn't um, needed. Again, healing was easy for Jesus. It was something Jesus was good at and something Jesus enjoyed doing for other people. Now, before we go any further, move on from this point. I want you to think for a minute. How does the centurion's understanding of healing compare to your own understanding of healing? Let me ask the question a different way. Do you think healing is something that's hard for Jesus to do? Do you think healing is something he only does occasionally for a select group of people, and even then he does it reluctantly? See, that's where a lot of people are. That's their understanding of God healing somebody who's sick. God, you know, God healing somebody that, that, um, that, that's in need of, of physical healing. And, and so notice now, if, if that's the way you understand it, if that's the way you look at it, notice what that's doing to your faith. Notice how that's limiting or hindering your faith. But in walks this centurion who, who obviously never went to any church that told him sometimes Jesus heals and sometimes he doesn't, and he does it occasionally and even then reluctantly. He didn't hear any of that. He didn't know any of that. That's not how he understood it. The way he understood it was... This is Jesus. It's easy for him. He's good at it. He enjoys doing it. And all you have to do is ask. That was his understanding. And notice that that understanding is what enabled his faith to flourish and produce results in his life. The only time we see Jesus grieved over healing is when people refused to let him heal them. Never because somebody wanted to be healed. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 5. Which one is easier, to forgive sins or to heal someone who's paralyzed? He didn't say which one's harder. He said which one is easier. All right, now let's move on. Number 11, the centurion understood there was plenty of healing for everybody. He understood there was plenty of healing for everybody. And I believe this is another area where the centurion's government background and training served him well. He knew how to think big. He knew how to think large, and large numbers and large quantities did not intimidate him. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Okay? So notice now, we need to have a more than enough understanding of God. That God has more than enough forgiveness. He has more than enough love. He has more than enough healing. He has more than enough resources. He has more than enough help. He has more than enough grace. He has more than enough mercy. Are you hearing me? You are not going to reach the end of it. You are not going to, uh, to put any kind of demand on it that will limit it in one iota. Are you hearing me? You see, I think sometimes we think, well, you know, if God does this for me, somebody else is going to have to do without. I'm not here to teach you economics tonight, but there is, a, there is a, 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 an understanding of economics that's called a zero-sum uh, economics, okay? What does that mean? 
that means you've got one pie, and if you get a big piece of the pie, that means somebody is either going to get a small piece or none. And, and this is how a lot of times we think. This is our understanding of things. We tend to understand things from a zero-sum perspective. What does that mean? Again, that means there's a limited pie, amen, and you know, whatever, let's just say the pie is healing, right? We tend to think, well, it's, it's zero-sum, and so there's only so much healing to go around, and I better elbow my way to the front to get mine first, or, you know, I don't know, let's let somebody who really needs it get it. And not, no, again, see, this, we've got to lose this understanding. The centurion was a representative of the Roman government, and as far as he was concerned, there were unlimited resources, and as far as he was concerned, the government that Jesus represented, that Jesus represented also had unlimited resources, and there was more than enough healing to go around, all right? So God brings us out of the land of not enough into the wilderness of just enough, but his ultimate goal for you is to live a life of more than enough. Amen? All right. Father's kingdom, last point, and then we'll move on to number 12. Father's kingdom has an endless supply of everything you need. Father's kingdom has an endless supply of everything you need. Now, you know, when we talk about the United States government, not so much, right? And we have to, we've been printing money like it's toilet paper here last few years, right? I mean, it's, are you following what I'm saying? And, and, you know, accruing all kinds of debt, okay? We had the debt. Jesus paid the debt for us. There's no debt in heaven. There's no deficit in heaven. Father's not going to have to go in the red to get you healing because Jesus already became in the red through his blood to provide healing for you. So Father's kingdom has an endless supply of everything you need. Okay? Now, number 12, what did the centurion understood, what, what the centurion understood that caused his faith to flourish? Number 12, the centurion, don't miss the simplicity of this now. Do not miss the simplicity of this, okay? The centurion understood the importance of asking. The centurion understood the importance of asking. Okay? Now, in the time that we have remaining this evening, I want to talk to you about the importance of asking. The importance of asking. Formal requests for the things he needed, for the things that his troops needed, would have been a big part of the centurion's routine. He did not sit around twiddling his thumbs with a mindset that Rome knows what we need, they'll get it to us when they can. He didn't sit around going, Rome knows I've got 600 troops I'm responsible for that all have to be fed, that all have to have uniforms, that all have to have weapons, that all have to have you know, you know, the medications and all these other things, supplies that they need. He didn't sit around saying, they know I'm out here, they know what we need, and they'll get it to us. No. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure they did not have a triplicate in those days. You know what I'm talking about triplicate is? But in, in you know, modern terminology, he sent in the requests, formal requests, for the things that he and his troops needed. In other words, what am I saying? He asked for what he needed. 
This was something that was a part of his responsibilities. It was something that he was very familiar with. It was something that he was accustomed to doing. And so when it came to a need for one of his servants, he thought it, you know, he didn't think it to be that big of a deal to ask Jesus for his help. Now, this is somewhere deeper down in my notes, but I'm feeling prompted to kind of bring it up now. What do you think would have happened to the centurion's servant had he not asked Jesus to heal him? What do you think would have happened? He would have died. Thank you. I know it's kind of loud in here for the fan. He would have died. He was, he was uh, on his deathbed. He was being dreadfully tormented by whatever sickness he had. It had already caused paralysis in his body. Let me say it another way. We have no inclination whatsoever that Jesus was going to that man's house, going out of his way to go to that man's house to heal him. And we have many different accounts in the scriptures that confirm this. For instance, in Luke, I believe it's the 19th chapter, 10 lepers, the Bible says, cried out to Jesus from a distance, asking him to have mercy on them. And we see that Jesus cleansed those men of their leprosy. How about the woman that had been sick for many years and had spent a small fortune on doctors and had suffered many things at the hands of the physicians, the Bible says, and none of them could help her. And she snuck through the crowd and she literally pickpocketed healing from Jesus. Jesus wasn't going to her house. Jesus was going to somebody else's house who, by the way, had asked him to go to their house and heal their daughter. Yet this woman interrupted Jesus and took her some healing. And Jesus did not rebuke her for it, but commended her for it. Okay? But again, if this woman had not come to Jesus to receive from him what she received from him on that day, she would have died from her, her illness. Are you seeing this? All right? So the centurion understood that he needed to go to Jesus and he needed to ask Jesus for his help. Now, in Matthew chapter 6 and in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus taught us two very important things. In Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8, Jesus taught us that our Father knows what we need before we ask. Okay? Well, if that's all Jesus ever said about asking, you would almost carry from that an idea that there's no need to ask. But what Jesus teaches us in Matthew 7 is that although Father knows what we need before we ask, we still need to ask. Okay? Now, let me read these verses to you. Matthew chapter 6 and, um, and verse number 7. Jesus says, and when you pray. Now, notice he didn't say if you pray, but he said when you pray. In this section, he talks about giving, he talks about praying, and he talks about fasting. And he doesn't say if you pray, if you fast, if you give, but when you pray, when you fast, 
when you give. He gives us some very important instructions on these three disciplines. Let me tell you why he's giving us instructions here. It's because there are people who pray, but they're praying wrong. There are people who ask, but they're asking incorrectly. There are people who give, but they're giving with the wrong attitude. And there are people who fast, but they fast, Jesus said, only to be seen by other people. And so he says, when you only do it to be seen by other people or to do it for a show, he says, whatever pat on the back you got is the only benefit you're going to get from those gifts, from those prayers, and from those fastings. Amen. So he's encouraging us to pray. He's encouraging us to give. He's encouraging us to fast. But he's also giving us some instructions on how to do it correctly so that there will be benefit produced in our lives from doing these things. So he says, when you pray, do not use, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. Now, some people view prayer, and I'm going to try to put it in a term that you can understand. Some people view prayer as trying to throw enough words against the wall hoping some will stick. It's like a shotgun approach to prayer. Okay? Now, when someone like this co-worker of Pastor Marcos's asks us to pray, we take that very seriously. I prayed for Lola this morning. I want, they wanted the, our church to pray. And so, again, we're the body of Christ, and so we're praying for her. And by no means am I saying this is her attitude, but there is an attitude that some people have that if we can just get enough people to pray that somehow this will leverage God and He'll have to do something for us. And I've even heard people say things like, we had people praying in three states and two countries and, and four denominations. If God was ever going to heal anybody, He should have healed my aunt. See, again, notice they're, they're thinking incorrectly here. They're thinking that because of their much asking, their prayer will be heard. It's not because of your much asking, okay? Are you hearing me? So we're seeing that it's important for us to ask, but we're also seeing that how we ask is also important. Now, let me... Let me Let's go back to when we were kids, right? And you don't have to be a kid, but, but you could go back to when you were a kid, right? How many of you know there's a right way to ask and there's a wrong way to ask? And sometimes you can ask, you know, uh, you know an adult um, for something, but ask them in the wrong way, and they won't give you what they would have otherwise given you if you'd have just had maybe a little more humility about you when you ask. Okay? So what we're learning from Jesus is that asking is necessary and there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. Okay? So Matthew chapter 7 now. And so again, beginning at verse 7, Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Ask. He didn't say ask and it might be given to you. He said definitively ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. For everyone who asks receives. 
Could I, listen, you may have something else going right now in your meditation repertoire, amen? But just in case you don't, could I recommend that as you lay your head on a pillow tonight, that you go to sleep muttering to yourself, everyone who asks, receive. Ask, and it will be given. Ask, and it will be given. For everyone who asks, receive. Ask, and it will be given. For everyone who asks, will receive. Ask, and it will be given. For everyone who asks, will receive. And say it about 6,000 times. Because, see, we've had it ingrained into us that not everybody who asks, receives. That's the understanding a lot of people have. And notice what that wrong, incorrect level of understanding is doing to their faith. It's building doubt in to it at the very outset of them trying to believe God to receive something. In other words, they go into asking God with an understanding that sometimes God answers and sometimes he doesn't. Okay? No, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. See, now listen, our, I, I, listen to me. Listen to me. Some of you are like, well, what about this and what about that and what about this situation? See, again, that's your understanding. Can you imagine somebody trying, the centurion having a conversation with somebody, listen, hey, I, I, I heard Jesus, is, you know, sometimes heals people and, you know, I've tried doctors. Man, I've, I done spent 40,000 bucks on my servant and he's, he's about to die. And not only that, he's suffering. He's so sick. He's it, you know, it's just miserable. I can't stand to see him like this. I was thinking about going and asking Jesus about healing. What, what do you guys think? Can you imagine him asking like some modern-day Christians? Can you imagine him calling in like a Christian radio talk show? And some of the comments that you would hear? Well, now, brother, listen now. This, that healing stuff is not for today. That, that, Jesus, you know, he did some of that, but... You know, you just, you never know what God's going to do. I mean, sometimes, you know, he puts sickness on people to teach them stuff and this. And maybe God's just trying to teach you and your servant a lesson here. But, but, I mean, again, can you imagine all of the craziness? Remember, this man didn't know anything about that. He understood, fill out a triplicate request form, send it in to the government to receive 600 pairs of boots for his soldiers to wear in the winter because everyone who asks receives. That was his understanding. All these religious arguments and all of these things that, that come from, from again, um, man's opinion, that centurion didn't know anything about that. You say, well, you know, he, he needed to educate himself. It sounds to me like he knew enough. Do you see what I'm talking about here? His faith caused Jesus to, to marvel because it wasn't polluted with all of these convoluted arguments that modern-day religion has put into this. Did Jesus say, ask, and it will be given to you? Did Jesus, the head of the church, the master himself, ask, and it will be given to, to you? For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. He goes on to, 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 to underpin this. He says, What man is there among you if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a serpent? 
If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Now, I don't know if you're keeping record at home, but there's five verses here, and there's one word that we find in each, the same word we find in each of these five verses. Anybody figure out what it is yet? It's the word ask. In verse 7, he says ask. In verse 8, he says ask. In verse 9, he says if a son asks. In uh, verse 10, if he asks for a fish. And then verse 11, um, uh, give good things to those who ask him. What do you think Jesus is trying to emphasize here? By repeating the word over and over again. Ask and it will be given. Ask. Everyone who asks receives. If a son asks for bread, if he asks for a fish, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, if, if you read the Gospels enough, and I'm going to try to... Ooh, where'd our time go? Praise God. If you read the Gospels enough... You, you see that, and I'm going to just pull some verses out and, and just kind of go one after the other real quick. But I used to say that Jesus encouraged us to ask. I think it's beyond that. It's almost as if he's begging us to ask. Now, it's not until the Lord's half-brother, James... Same mother, different father, grew up in the household with him, okay, James, who wrote um, the book of James in the New Testament. He said this, and we'll maybe get there uh, in our next time together, but he, he said this, he said, you have not because you ask not, okay? And then he said, because I'm sure there were folks who said, well, I've asked, right? He said, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. So he says, you have not because you ask not. So here's my question for you. Have you asked? Have you asked? I'm not saying Father God doesn't know what you need, but again, remember Jesus taught us. He knows what you need before you ask. Ask. Ask in, asking involves you humbling yourself. Asking involves you giving God place in your life. Asking, um, could, could I just, and, and I'd rather talk about you or somebody else than me tonight, but I'll talk about me for a moment, okay? I'm not a good asker. I'm not, I was so, I was, I was so thankful the Lord gave me victory over this today, right? And, 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 uh, our neighbor across the street uh, rents one of our units uh, from the church. They got a brand new Toyota forklift over there. I mean, that thing is nice, right? And we need a forklift to, to get in. So I called him on his cell phone. I said, hey, Kevin, this, this is Mark across the street. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I said, well, praise God. Okay, he sounds like he's in a good mood, you know. I said, uh, Kevin, I was wondering, we, we need some help with your forklift. Um, Sure, I tell you what, I don't know when you need it. I'll just bring it to you Thursday and we'll get it back uh, Monday. I was like, I didn't ask to borrow a hammer. I asked to borrow a forklift. You know what I'm saying? And I hung up and I thought, you know what, that wasn't so bad. Marcos, I know you can hear me back there. He's live streaming, yeah. See, I was so wanting you to call him and ask him. 
which I know you would have. I knew you would have, but Mark says, yeah, I think I, I said, I said, hey, we probably need to ask Kevin about that forklift. He goes, I think I've got his number. I'll send it to you. <laughs> Mark knows I'm not good at asking. Amen. And so, no, I'm just kidding. Praise God. Have you ever said these words? And with the Lord's help, I'm not ever going to say them again. But have you ever said these words? I hate to ask. I hate to ask. Listen to me. You're not ever going to have in your life what God wants you to have in your life if you hate asking. So guess what? I love to ask. I love asking. My father wants me to ask. Kevin literally seemed today, it it seemed like it made his day that I asked him. He seemed, because he likes to help people. Any, just curious, I bet you there's a bunch of folks in this room who likes to help people, right? See, we, why, do we not think, why do we not think that the person we're about to ask for help actually likes to help people too, right? He was like, yeah, man, are we, you know, he was like making the plan, this is what we'll do. He goes, you know, uh, do you need an operator? I mean, I could get somebody to operate it for you. I said, no, we got some men in the church and how to run a portly. Fine, fine, that's great, you know. So, so again, I love to ask. That's, that's what I need to go to sleep confessing tonight right there. Praise God. I love to ask. Amen. It's almost as if Jesus is begging us to ask. Now, now, here's the thing, okay? I believe that the centurion put some forethought and some strategy into his ask. Okay? Kind of like if, you're, if you've ever asked for a raise. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever done that? Right? I'm raising my hand like I have. I don't think I ever have in my life. Did I mention a while ago that I don't like to ask? So, but I love to now. I love to. Praise God. All right. Um, but something along those lines where it's a big request. You know. um, I mentioned that um, you know, John Mark's engaged now, and, and his fiance's uh, parents are deaf. And, um, man, I love my son. He got, because he it was a surprise to Gina... So he got Gina's sister to teach him how to ask her father for Gina's hand in marriage with sign language. Man, it's just, that's just cool. I'm just telling you it's cool. But so, so notice now, um, I remember when I asked uh, Pam's dad for her hand in marriage, right? I rehearsed, because remember, in those days, I hated to ask. Now, today, I loved asking. But in those days, I hated to ask, right? And, you know, I was nervous and all that stuff, right? And, um, but what did I do? I had some, some strategy in my request. I actually rehearsed it. I went over it a few times in my head. I kind of planned it out before I went by there. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So when we're talking about asking God, all right, put a little thought into it, Right? Because if you're not careful, you'll go in there saying, look, God, if you do this for me, I'll never ask you for another thing. You're asking amiss, right? You'll start trying to negotiate. You'll start trying to bribe him. You'll start trying to make him all kinds of promises that you may or may not keep. He don't want to hear any of that. He don't want to hear you talking about how pitiful you are and blah, blah, blah. Again, what does he say? Come boldly. Come like a loving son to a loving father, a loving daughter to a loving father, and, and, and make your request known. Well, all that's Bible verses, right? Praise God. 
Stand with me. Let me give you a couple more verses. John 16, 23, and 24. Jesus says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Am I the only parent that wants their children's and grandchildren's joy to be full? We, we, we want our, our children not just to be happy, but to be full of joy. So notice what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look, guys, um, up until now, I've done your asking for you. Right? He says, there's coming a day when you will ask the Father directly for whatever you want and need in my name. He says, be sure and ask, and Father will give it to you. And make sure you ask, because if you ask, you'll receive, and if you receive, you're going to be full of joy. Daniel got him a, Matt's and Vanessa's youngest son, got him a new car. Or new to him, it's like new, it's beautiful. IS 250 Lexus, yeah. And um, he walked in my house Monday, and you know, we're trying to get the burgers off the grill and all that other stuff. He's like, Uncle Mark, you want to come see my car? Because he's full of joy, right? He's full of joy. Why? Because he received from his El Shad dad and his El Shad mom, right? He received something from them that he wanted, and he was full of joy about it. And you know who else was full of joy about it? El Shad dad and El Shad mom, right? That's El Shad is a name for God, right? That's from Jesse Duplant. That's Matt and Vanessa. They were full of joy, right? They were full of joy because he was full of joy. Do you realize it makes your heavenly father full of joy when you're full of joy? When you ask in Jesus' name and he does things for you that satisfies you and, 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 and makes you full of joy, it, it, re, it rebounds right back to him. Amen. We, we might be here a minute or two um, in this part of our study because the Bible has a lot to say about asking, okay? So this is your homework besides what we've already talked about, okay? Um, I want you to spend the minute now. Spend the minute. Whatever it is, something pressing in your life, I want you to submit a formal request to heaven. I want you to make the request known. Amen. I want you to ask. Jesus said, ask, and when you ask, believe you've already received it, and you'll have whatever you ask. Okay? Amen? Amen? All right, Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for these beautiful men and women. Father, thank you for, for their commitment. Lord, I... Uh, Lord, there's a lot of people worked hard today. A lot of people got up early this morning. A lot of people, Father, that, um, uh, that hadn't had supper yet. Um, um, but yet these people, Father, made being in your house, worshiping you with other believers a priority. And, Father, I bless them for that. Lord, you said you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. This looks like diligent seeking to me. And I thank you, Father, for not only just rewarding us for our attendance and presence and showing up here tonight 
But Father, as we are understanding more about the importance and necessity of asking and how to ask correctly, Father, this is a tool that will reap benefits in our lives for the rest of our lives. For our joy and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hey, thank you.